0: They see them like how you and I see each other and they'll talk to them, but they'll also talk to us. So like if we could imagine like Pete being there, someone who's about to pass if Pete was like a brother, they would also talk to Pete, you know and like we wouldn't be able to see Pete. So that's kind of how it is. They'll see um both of us. So a lot of people will be like, well, they're just confused and I'm like, they're not confused. they're talking to me like they always talk to me. You know they're also just talking to these people that I cannot see.
1: What's up, y'all? This episode, I am joined with Nurse Hadley, who is a registered nurse with specialty in hospice and palliative care in Louisiana. She's built an impressive following online and for damn good reason. She shares her stories and lessons from her time with patients who are dying and speaks on what her patients saw as they approached death. I heard some incredible stories, and her inspiration and ability to see the positive in life while being so close to death constantly is an absolute true gift that she's sharing with the world, and it was an honor to have her on Dead Talks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Adley, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I know I already expressed my excitement for you to be here, but for some reason, and I could probably go into the reason, I am very excited to have you here. You know, as I mentioned prior, I got introduced through a friend and I thought your posts were just the perfect balance of seriousness, deep insight, positivity, and just remarkable stories. So I know you've been on podcasts before and, you know, on your page, you do post a lot and share a lot for people to hear. But if we can dive into it a little bit more and get your story out there, I think it could be really helpful.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: So, from my understanding, you're a hospice nurse. Yes.
0: I am. I'm a registered nurse and I've worked in hospice for
1: almost six years. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and uh, I would love to hear a little... I mean, I'm, you know, I'm familiar with hospice nurses, but I've never spoke to one like this. So I don't know if you want to dive into a little bit about you know what it takes to be one your, and how you got started and why you got started. I know there's are a few questions there, but feel free to get into wherever you want and we'll kind of go from there.
0: Yeah. So I normally like to kind of explain what hospice is because some people don't have any experience with it. So of course, whenever you get a terminal illness, such as like cancer or dementia or just anything that, you know, is what happens at the end of life, you can of course try all the treatments that you want to, such as chemotherapy, surgeries, things like that. And then whenever doctors either say it's not working anymore, or you say I'm sick of this. You can come on hospice and you don't have to go to the hospital anymore. You don't have to do surgeries. We're not going to poke and prod you anymore. Our goal is just to make you comfortable. We will come to you in your home. So you get to focus on being with your family and just enjoying life instead of, you know, living your life in the hospital, constantly getting treatments and such. So absolutely love it. That's what I do. I go to people's homes and I have usually about 12 patients at a time. And my week just consists of going to see them. We're also on call 24 7. So all the nurses rotate that call, you know, after hours. And we're there for any emergencies. So instead of calling 911, you call us. And we come out there, and our patients are, you know, we become like part of the family too at the end. I mean, it's so intimate to get to go into people's homes you know, meet all of their family and be in their home. It's such a different type of nursing that I just love. And a lot of people don't understand how personal it gets.
1: Yeah. And that's what I was curious about is the is how personal it gets. I wasn't sure if there was a challenge of maybe not getting too close. Are you not supposed to get too close? And also it's probably impossible not to get too close. And uh, do you have trouble with that or is that a challenge or do you prefer to get that close? Or is it, you know, I know that's a loaded question again, but... Where are you in regards to balancing that? Or you just go full-fledged in and, and let it take you?
0: It's such a challenge. And, you know, each person is so different because sometimes we only have people for, you know, a day. And sometimes I'll have people for, for months and months and months. You know, normally it's six months is what we aim for the last six months. But, you know, it's not a science. So, you know, sometimes it's eight months or nine months. And so, I mean, I will take care of someone for a very long time at times. And, I mean, it's, of course, very difficult whenever it comes to that. But you know, luckily, whenever you have these people, you're not dealing with death usually every day. Usually I'd say my patient dies. I usually have patient death a couple times a month. So you know, maybe those are bad days. But otherwise, I would say I absolutely love visiting patients. You know, they're so insightful and so amazing. And you they're usually very open to talk to you and they are so eager to pass on what they learned about the world to someone else. And I just love that.
1: Do you find that as a consistent thing in regards to people at the end of their life want to, I don't know, teaching is right where, like you said, or express their wisdom? Is that, is that often what you get?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of them do, especially the ones that you have for a little bit and you're able to get their pain under control. Because of course, whenever they're in pain, no one wants to talk to anyone. They just, you know. Yeah they don't, they're mad, <laughs> but, um, you know, but once you get people's pain under control and you get to know them and especially whenever I start telling them, I'm like, yeah, I'm in my twenties. And like, I just want to hear everything you have to say. I, and I really show that like I respect them and their opinion. Cause I think a lot of times they feel like people in the younger generation are like, Oh, old people, you know, they, right. they don't respect them. And once I show that level of respect, I think they, open up to me so it takes a little bit of time but
1: yeah yeah I feel it's amazing the schooling that you're getting from these people I feel like you're you're good you already I mean I barely I just met you now and everybody already could tell you're wise beyond your years and it's it's pretty amazing that you're your willingness to absorb all that because you're getting so many life lessons bashed in you know from all these amazing people it's wild to me that you said you know I, I know you were, didn't mean it this way but you're like only a couple of months. it's the amount of people that I've met that deal with death on a regular I mean that's pretty regular that's Pretty regular. I know you said not all your patients are passing, but that's remarkable to me. So I can't imagine the effect that has on you. And to prelude that, my my question to you is: What what got you into hospice? Have you had your own? And also, have you had your own personal loss prior to hospice or during hospice? Because I wonder the difference of that. And I know you know death is death, and you get close to these people. But uh, I also wonder if there's a difference in personal loss if you've had and you know the death of a, a client.
0: Yeah, it is. And actually, I just got into hospice because I was working in a nursing home. And of course, we have hospice patients in a nursing home. So I got introduced to it then and just uh, really loved the one-on-one aspect of it. And then I kind of got into it. And it's just kind of taken me on its own journey from there. But my mother-in-law did actually um, have brain cancer. And she did pass while I was working in hospice a couple years in. And Honestly, that was such a different experience. And it was so good for me to be on that side and really understand that perspective. And, you know, whenever I'm going home to home, I go in, I do stuff, I'm talking, I'm teaching, I do stuff. And so I do that all day long. And then for me to be on the family side and understand like, okay, whenever the hospice nurse is not in here, it's just a lot of like, oh my gosh, like I know my time is short, but like I, it's just a lot of like hurry up and wait. You know, and you just are like, how do I make the most of this time? And you're just kind of staring at each other. And, you know, really for me to have that understanding was so important for me.
1: Right. Yeah. I feel like you got to see the other side in in some way. Obviously, I can imagine it hurts that you lose patience, you grow comfortable with and grow to learn. But I just thought there would be a different, totally different experience when it's someone, you know, you've known like that and family. Uh, and, and you said you just said something that interested me in regards to um, how do you spend those last moments and like what do you do? Because I, mean, I saw a post when I was I was kind of backtracking a little bit. I, I forget the exact story, but you, the premise of the post was there's always magic or always find the magic. I don't know if that rings a bell, but I kind of correlated what you just said to that message that you had. Is that relatable in regards to like when you asked yourself how to spend these moments and if and if I'm misunderstanding what you were trying to get across, please correct me. But how I took it, it was it was just you know I feel like we all have these big ambitions and these big thoughts about what to do. But at the end of the day, it's the little things that really matter. And is that what you applied to those last moments? Because it sounded like you had you had moments with her. It wasn't an it wasn't an abrupt ending, correct? Yes. How do you spend those last moments? You know.
0: Yeah, it's very difficult and, you know, really understanding that. But yeah, like you said, like those little moments, like now looking back, now that she's passed, past three years ago, I understand that just being there, you know, just, just being by her side and you just never know like what's going to come next. So at the time, just hearing her tell me for the 50th time about my husband's childhood stories, like didn't mean much. But now looking back and me knowing she was going to pass a week later, means so much to me to know that like at the end that that that's what was on her mind.
1: How much does that affect you moving forward in regards to uh you know just I guess every little moment? I mean what is your perspective? What was your perspective then prior to experiencing her death or even a patient's death to where you are today?
0: Yeah, you know, there's a lot, but I would say one of the biggest things that I feel like I've changed is I think in your 20s you feel so like immortal and you're like, "Oh, I'm going to live forever." And, you know, being with people all the time who tell me like, Oh my gosh, it goes by so fast. Like your kids, like you're just going to blink and it's just going to go by so fast. And like actually getting that reminder every day, like really has helped me like put down the phone and play with my kids and like do that every single day. Because I, you know, hearing it all day long, like it's going to go by so fast. Like I'm able to actually like do that.
1: And slow it down. Mm Mm-hmm backtracking a little bit again in regards to how I mentioned, you know, you're regularly experiencing death and you've experienced it on a personal level. And, you know, a, a big thing about my podcast, I, I would like people to pull, you know, little moments of how people get through death. So how do you, because I feel like you're, if you're getting close to all these clients, I feel like you're grieving monthly almost. Are you not grieving monthly? It sort of seems like if you're getting close, I'm sure there's patients that you're getting closer and some, and that might, I'm not a hierarchy on the death grieving process, but are, is, are you grieving monthly? Like, are you? what do you do to get over losing someone constantly multiple times a month?
0: You know, what I think helps is, I'd say every couple months, you actually go to your own patient's death. So the way like our on-call schedule works is that we're rotating it. So like maybe once a week, I'm on call. So I do see a lot of deaths, but they're not necessarily always my patients. Usually, just like statistically, you think there's 24 hours a day, I'm working eight of them they're probably not going to die in those eight hours and will die in the other 16. You know, so usually the deaths are for the on-call people. I don't know. It's almost like mentally, um, whenever they pass, you just kind of are like, okay, I'll see them again one day. Like, it's it's a little bit harder when you actually go to their, to their death or when you're there for their death. And I would say that I grieve those.
1: So when you're physically there, when they actually pass in the moment?
0: Yeah, those are harder.
1: Yeah, I could imagine if you're physically, I mean, it's life, I guess, when you see something in front of you, it's just got to be harder. And when you said you see him later, um, I guess that's a smooth transition to me. Ask about, I mean, w- what are your beliefs in regards to that, in regards to what happened? To that?
0: You know, the way I feel is that there's some sort of afterlife. Um, my husband's very religious. So, you know, I am not super religious, but I do like believe that those, um, the moral, the morality of religion I like. And there's some parts of religion that I don't like. So I'm still kind of like figuring that part out. But after being with these people, I 100% believe in an afterlife.
1: Why is that specifically from being with these people?
0: You know, it's something to, you know, they all see their deceased loved ones. And it's not like they're all seeing like purple hippos or anything like that. They're all seeing their deceased loved ones.
1: Purple hippos would be cool, but uh, I mean.
0: Yeah, (laughs) they're all seeing the same thing. And obviously, they can't talk to each other, and they're all different backgrounds and religions, and just I mean, totally different from all walks of life. And they all see the same thing.
1: Wait, so you said they're they're consistently seeing their loved ones?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all hospital nurses re- report this too.
1: Like moments before they die, or like prior? Yeah,
0: about like a couple of days to a week.
1: And what can you share a couple patterns of stories, or well, however you want to do it, to kind of like explain that
0: yeah they see them like how you and i see each other and they'll talk to them but they'll also talk to us so like if we could imagine like pete being there someone who's about to pass if pete was like a brother they would also talk to pete you know and like we wouldn't be able to see pete
1: do you ever do do a turn and be like and and kind of get yes i do sometimes (laughs) that's (laughs) wild that's wild yeah
0: so that's kind of how it is. They'll see um both of us. So a lot of people will be like, well, they're just confused. And I'm like, they're not confused. They're talking to me. Like they always talk to me. You know, they're also just talking to these people that I cannot see. So I'll ask them about it if it like seems appropriate. You know, you gotta feel out each situation. One that was very crazy was a patient I was very close to. I call him Carl on social media. That's not his real name, of course, but I call him Carl. And I showed up one day and he was playing hide and seek. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, I'm playing hide and seek with Anna, which was his two-year-old who had actually drowned. And so he's talking to me and talking to his wife and like playing hide and seek with their um, deceased child. What? That was really amazing, honestly, to like witness.
1: I mean, what's your first thought when that was the first time I guess one of the experience, I'm sure maybe you start getting used to it. But the first time that happened, did you believe it? We, I, it's hard not to believe, I suppose, but the first time, what is that like?
0: So the first time I called our physician and was like, this, this man needs some medicine. You know, <laughs> and
1: that's a fair response. That's a fair response. So I was curious. so I was like, I, I would double check, or like lower the morphine or something. But that's I, that's that's crazy to me because once you see the consistencies and the patterns, and people saying the same thing, how the hell are you supposed to deny that? Like, what are you? Were they all making it up? Right. Did you ever? Did some of these people like immediately comfort comforted? Are they scared?
0: They're never scared. So yeah, I mean, I I think it's very comforting.
1: Oh my god, that's kind of a relief because I, I I figure if, if I I'm trying to picture myself on my deathbed if I saw my dad. I mean, I guess that is comforting, mm-hmm. Whether it's real or not, I guess that has to be comforting if it's, you're seeing your loved one. That's amazing.
0: They're, yeah, they're very comforted. Sometimes they'll tell them they're going on a trip, but they never really seem to understand that like they're not there, So, which is why I believe that they see them like they see us. And the way they interact with them is just like they interact with us.
1: Oh, wow. So you are saying that they literally think they're side by side, but they're conscious of the fact that, that of their state, right? They're not thinking that they're actually physically here. They just know that their time is up. Yeah. Oh my God.
0: But they're not like scared of it. And even people who were like beforehand and it's actually like such a sign that like, as I've been trained as a hospice nurse, like we know that like we can call other people and be like, okay, like I think it's getting close. Like no other symptoms. And we will know that that means that they are getting closer to passing.
1: So you strictly rely on, on that experience to be like, okay, their moment's coming.
0: Usually, we'll see that and then they'll start to decline like from there.
1: Oh my God, this is literally like the movie Ghost Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. It's like exactly what it is, I feel like.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. Honestly, it's like very neat to witness. And of course, some people um, are at that point unconscious. So it doesn't happen with everyone, but most people who can talk to us, you know, will report that.
1: Have you had any uh, stories? I'm just curious from people that. Uh, like, like really aren't religious or spiritual. And then they've had that experience with seeing their loved one, and you could, and they, whether they explained or you noticed it where they were, their eyes were opened and be like, holy shit, like that kind of, doesn't make sense?
0: Yeah. They'll usually be like, so I had one woman who was not religious at all, and her sister was caring for her, and her sister went out of the room, and she was like, Hadley, I think I'm crazy. And she was like, my mom is right there. And I was like, I don't think you're crazy. I really don't think you're crazy. Like, just talk to her. Like, it's okay. I really don't think you're crazy. So they usually are just like, kind of confused. That was one of my only ones I've ever had that like, understood, like, this is not supposed to be happening.
1: <laughs> that's so cu- that's, that's so crazy. I mean, I, I, I think that's a really good thing. I mean, that, that kind of it's hard to dismiss. And at the same time, it definitely... I don't even know what to say because I, I believe I believe there's something after, and I you know, story after story. But especially when you hear someone like you that's been so close to death, it's it's really hard to argue, and it's comforting, but also terrifying at the same time. It's like, what the hell are we doing after that? Like, what do what do we do? For, what are we doing? We just hang out and sit there in the abyss. <laughs> that I don't understand. That's what kind of freaks me out.
0: No, you know, I don't know either. One of the one of the most comforting though is I did have someone who was close, and she was talking to some deceased family members and also me, and she was like. I just want to let you know there's there is a lot of people waiting for you on the other side. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. This is a lesson I feel like how whatever you're doing is that's working can really and I think that's why you're on your path right now that is so amazing. Is that I just feel your and you can see your you maintain such a level of positivity. Throughout such darkness, which is the point I've been trying to make, that even in the darkest points, like there's so much light to be found. And you seem to carry that with you constantly. And I that believe that's the message that you're passing on to people that need it the most. Do you meditate? Like, you, do you drink a lot? Like, what the hell do you do that's, that keeps you so positive throughout this? Is it just the lessons you've learned? Is it just the people you meet? What the hell are you doing? Because it's, you're seeing it so constantly that right now, someone that's hopefully listening that is in a really bad place and is just trying to get out and they see you that are able to stay up and stay positive and see the light. Do you have any recommendation? I know that's a very ambiguous way to say it because every scenario is different, more of that. But any recommendation for someone that's dark, that's in the place right now to get out of it?
0: You know, I mean, I've been in a very bad place. I mean, I don't know if you've, if I've, you've seen me share my personal stories. But uh, just a quick recap for anyone who um, doesn't know, I'm almost 30 right now. But when I was 19 in college, I got pregnant, and I was a single mom, and half of my family completely disowned me, and I just said, you know what, I'm not going to become a statistic, and I went to nursing school and worked nights and just struggled a lot. It was very, very, very hard years, and, you know, I think having something to look forward to has helped me a lot. You know, that's just, I think that it's going to be different for everyone. But in those times I really couldn't see a brighter tomorrow. I was like, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try. Hopefully I can work this nursing job the rest of my life. You know what I mean? And hopefully make it, but you know, seeing this, I wish I could go back and tell myself like, there's such a brighter future like for you. So like, Knowing that there's like big goals that I'm working for is really what helps me. It's so hard to see, like, when you're in that place, though, you know, and I've been there. It's
1: hard. I could imagine, I mean, I could imagine that experience, what you experienced, but there's a book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, and it kind of reminds me of how you got through it. If what you're explaining to me is that you had something to look forward to, and that's kind of what so I don't know if, you're how, if or maybe you're familiar with the book, or hopefully I'm not butchering it for people that have read it, but he, he was in the Holocaust, and what got him through it and what he noticed as consistencies of those that survived was they had something. They had something, whether it was a loved one or something they wanted to do. They had something in the future that was keeping them alive.
0: I need to read that. That sounds amazing. It's,
1: yeah, it's a great... I haven't read it in quite a while, but so like I said, hopefully I'm not butchering this explanation of it, but that... It was man's search for meaning. Like these people had meaning. They had something to to hold on to that kept them alive. And those that had nothing that they could latch on to, like you did, or something in the future, whether it was the nursing, whether it was your child, that kept them alive. And I want to empower people to find that. And I, and I think that's the hardest part. If someone is just loses a loved one or, ha- or in a, any traumatic experience for like, like the one you had, like a very tough time, if someone struggles to find a meaning or find something to live for, that seems like a really deep hole to get out of. Like it's like, how do you let people find that meaning? How do you help people find something to latch onto? Because clearly you got out of it. I'm looking, you're doing amazing right now. And I think that's something that can help so many people that are going through it now. It's just a matter of helping them find what that is.
0: It is. And you know, I of course I keep in touch with some of my patients' family members, especially like the spouses who lose, you know, someone, and they really do struggle with that. And I really do encourage them to find their new normal instead of just like looking for all the holes, you know, that's kind of what they, they keep trying to go on their same schedule and all they see is the emptiness of where that person is not. So I always, it's like, my new thing is like, find your new normal. So like, if you are a caregiver for your husband and that was it, like, what can you get involved in that will fill that, that is meaningful to you. So like a wife I just had whose husband passed with cancer, she just, she was his caretaker for years. And that was her life. And then afterwards, it's just, who was she? And I'm so proud of her. It was last I talked to her a couple months ago, she was organizing this walk to raise money for the cancer. And she's like started this group of other widows. And she has filled that hole that he left. And I just think that that is so important to do.
1: I mean, that's, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. And I think that process is something people have to look forward to because I, I always wondered how it's, it's so interesting to me how some people, I've mentioned this in a prior episode, probably multiple times, but I think it's so interesting is how some people go left and some people go right. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just na- nature versus nurture or personal past experiences, but I've seen so many people in my own life that choose to go one way and some choose to the other. And, and. And some people, like you said, once they're in that moment, it's like all they see, and it's how do you, how the hell do you get out of there? And it seems to it, seems, it does seem impossible in the moment. So are you? Uh, this is I kind of a question that I like to cap it off sometimes. Are you like are you at peace with death? Are you at this point like are you like f- fearful of it at any moment? Is there anything bother you about it? Are you kind of just like well, eh, you know, this is it.
0: No, I'm I'm fine with it. I don't fear my own death at all. Really, the only thing that I I'm afraid of is my husband passing and having to find that new normal without him. I don't want to have to do that. (laughs) You know, that's just something I don't, that would be my only fear as far as death is like we talked about when I see my future, I see it with my husband. And, you know, that, that is really the only fear that I have. But as far as my own death, no, I'm, I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. It's it's it's, it's funny because it's not funny. I don't know, it's, it's not funny at all, actually. But uh, <laughs> I say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most of the time, the dark shit is kind of funny to me, but you know, in a respectful way. Anyway, um, it is it's, it's, when you do think about. I think most time we think about death. It's like, you know, my death, my death. I'm dead. What happens? But there's such a residual effect when someone dies. It's like, okay, that person died. They experienced the death, but the, the cascading ripple effect of the people that in their lives is really what lingers. You know what I mean? It's like the people that are left with the death afterwards. I feel like the people that die almost got it off easy. Granted, I don't know what the hell happens. Yeah. After. I don't know what happens after. I will, I'm, I believe that it's something bigger and grander, but it's like, damn, Like we're the, we're the ones left with the shit to do with. And I, I don't want to make that sound selfish from the people mourning. but you know, it's true. It's like, God forbid, like, God forbid your, your husband passes first. Like my mom, my mom lost her husband first um at a at a young age, you know and and then what the hell do you do? So I mean, I, it's it is a it's like not the fear of death sometimes. it's like the fear of the effect of death.
0: it's so true. And you know, we don't we don't give enough care to the caregivers in our country, in my opinion. They are just so unrecognized. and they, like you said, are just it is so hard. It's just this big gaping hole and people don't really like understand. It's like, oh, that's sad. And it's not just like the funeral. It's the Tuesday, six months later, that y'all were supposed to be leaving for vacation or having coffee alone every morning. It's just these holes that they leave. And it's just like a constant punch in the gut that people don't understand.
1: Yeah. and I feel like it's hard to understand unless you're experiencing it or uh, or, you know, hearing it through stories. So I think that's the importance of hearing it. I don't even know. It's remarkable as to what you do. And uh, anyone in your position, like I said, it, it, like you said, I mean, it is very undershadowed because I get the emotional toll. Like I said, just going through your own loss, obviously is a little different and it's pain-wrenching, but to see it constantly is just, and to, to maintain that state that you're in is, is tremendous. And I really think people in your position, that can be applied to people that are grieving individually and so much and, and, and show that you can get through it. Is there anything for the caregivers like in your position in regards to, I don't know, I don't want to say psychiatric help, but just like to talk? Is there a place to talk? Is there like a safe place?
0: Yeah, there's grief support groups in almost every city. And I always recommend that people go and at least like try to find some other people that they can relate to. I think it's so important to not feel so so alone.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad you're on my podcast. That's kind of a big deal. I'm trying to people hear your position and your perspective. And I, I do believe that. I mean, I don't want to say misery, love, company, but association and and finding someone else dealing with the same thing is comforting. Whether it's apples to apples or not, just hearing how someone got through it, oh my God, you feel the same way, whether it's the same experience, is a comfort. A, like you said, it's, it's important not to feel alone. And it's remarkable how we can feel alone in such a big world. But you know, I'm personally grateful to have amazing people in my life and not everyone has that. So. I think what you're doing is amazing and I, I truly hope that um, I hope and it seems like you are going to continue to do the messaging that you're doing. I'm blessed to have you on this podcast. I hope this reaches more people. And if there's anything I could ever do for you, please let me know because the, what your, your mission that you're on right now, I'm a big believer in it. I love your tonality. I love your positivity. I love your perspectives. I think it's going to help so many people. And um, I don't know if you have anything that you want to get off your chest that we didn't cover.
0: The only thing is I'm, my next step is writing a book. I'm working on it now with Penguin Random House. And so it should be out in about a year. And it will cover some of the stories that really changed my opinion on the afterlife, my opinion on my outlook on life. Just those, like we talked about, those really life-changing patients.
1: Oh my God. That's, I cannot wait to read that. Is it said one year away?
0: Yep. I'm writing it right now. So about a year.
1: Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. And how else can people find you? I know some uh, some of your outlets, but if you want to just drop some lines, I'll put it in the link below and everything. But uh, if you want to give yourself a little plug again, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, I'm Nurse Hadley everywhere. I'm biggest on TikTok and it's just Nurse Hadley Instagram too.
1: There you go. All right, you're amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I, I know a lot of people are going to pull off from this as they already are.
0: Thank you for having me.